0: and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Fault in Our Stars, directed by Josh Boone and released in 2014. The plot of The Fault in Our Stars is pretty simple. A teenage girl with terminal cancer meets a boy at her support group and they fall in love. Aww. Yeah. Um. Okay, so
1: this is a movie directed by second-time feature director Josh Boone. And uh, based on a YA novel written by John Green. Mm. It's John, right? Not Yeah, John yes, Green. John Green. Hank um, is the other one. And uh, it stars Shailene Woodley as Hazel Grace Lannister. Lancaster. <laughs> I did. I just it's called her Grace a Lannister. Lannister. I think I need more um, wine. Hang on that's a minute. The, yes. I don't even know where that came from. She is a 16-year-old girl with cancer, and she has this little oxygen machine that she drags around everywhere with her. Uh-huh. Um, And she is forced to go to this support group meeting by her parents. And there she literally bumps into Ansel Elgort's Augustus Waters. Mm-hmm. There's some, some interesting names in a row. And he is a cancer survivor, missing half of one of his legs, who uh, has this really super upbeat, positive outlook on life, which contrasts with her fatalistic outlook on life.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I never think of him as being upbeat. I always think of him as being like incredibly pretentious. But yes,
1: well, he's that too. Um, <laughs> that, that's but that's that's sort of a symptom of the entire thing, really. Mm. Um, and I, I don't. It's hard to tell in the movie whether whether it's mocking that pretension or like believing in it.
0: And I, I have read the book of the two of us. I'm the one who's read it, and you haven't. But I'm not. I I read it because I was going to see the movie. I didn't I'm not one of the people who picked it up and fell in love with it and 100% drank its Kool-Aid, which is uh it, it is a real cult hit. Like a huge huge hit with a lot of people who really really love it. I I didn't really really love it. I thought it was good, but from my adult perspective, it was like the teenagers were really pretentious and obnoxious, and that was deliberate because they were really some of the, they're some of the best written teenagers I've ever seen because they embody all those contradictions of and narcissism and pretension of being a teenager, but also the great lust for life that you have when you're a teenager yeah um I don't know it's it's kind of hard to see that in the movie,
1: and okay, before we get into actually reviewing the movie, I had such an awful time trying to watch this movie. The girl next to me. Started crying 15 minutes after this movie started and did not stop for the whole thing. She sat there sniffling and blowing her nose and crying for the whole movie. And like the whole sort of cinema was like that. Yeah. Every couple of minutes, somebody would be sniffling and somebody else would be blowing their nose and somebody would be sobbing and, mm-hmm. and somebody would be yelling out, I can't do this. And, um, or was saying that what the she lines
0: said? along with them as or, well. Yeah. yeah. And it was so hard.
1: Like, I couldn't get into this movie at all. Mm -hmm. The whole time I just felt this, like, total disconnect from the world that was happening in the movie. And so I don't know if I can fairly review this movie because I wasn't given a chance to actually experience it properly.
0: Uh, Yeah. Okay. I disconnected from the movie a little bit at the start but managed to connect in the end. But I had the same problem with the book. I just... I think I got felt like I got over it quicker in the book. Uh, I had the same problem. For the first third of it, I was like, who are these unbearable people? Why does everybody love this so much? Oh, my God. And then the last two-thirds of the book, I was like, oh, oh okay. They're kind of sweet. And then I teared up a little bit when, you know, all the most horrible, nasty, undignified bits of the dying were happening. Uh, movie, it was probably two-thirds of the movie where I was just – I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable these people were unbearable and even more obnoxious and I was like even more siding with the mum and dad particularly the mum the mum is a wonderful character in the novel and she's my favourite there and I'm old so whatever get over it but she's the one I identify with Mm. the most she's definitely the one I identify with most in the movie played by Laura Dern who is who does an amazing job oh
1: she's just magnificent Uh, in this movie
0: she's so good if if there were any two parts of the movie that made me tear up and I didn't really in the movie I did a little in the book I'm not a big crier in movies though so Don't rate it on that. The the two bits that affected me emotionally came from Laura Dern Mm. and her character. But I did manage to connect with the movie probably somewhere in the Amsterdam bit, probably where they run into Willem Dafoe and his crazy old curmudgeon because I really enjoyed that bit of the novel too. And in the movie it's even more obvious because they run into this guy and he doesn't take any of their bullshit. He's just like, your whole life everybody's treated you like you're special because you're sick and I'm not going to treat you like that. And... um. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, he was
1: he was just mean. He really was just mean. Like, uh, her having a connection to characters in a book is not a bad thing. And he was really mean to her about it. It's different to just saying, like, everybody's treated you special and I'm not going to do that. its He was downright just rude to them and mean to them. And you don't treat people that way, regardless of whether or not they have cancer.
0: Yeah. He's um, a horrible person, right? And that that's fine. He's a horrible person in the novel, too. He's not... He's not a good guy. He's not he's not my favorite character in the sense that I like him. He's my favorite character in the sense that I like that he disrupts their lives enough to make them I don't know that he, that's the point at which I finally find myself on their side. Mm. And it also it it gives the two of them this film suffers from the disease of being a too faithful novel adaptation. There is too much narration and there are too many lines directly from the book. There's too much explaining. There's too, And I don't know how you get around it because the book is a first-person description of what it's like to be a teenager with cancer and also what it feels like to fall in love for the first time, which is really hard to show when you're looking at it as opposed to reading it and being inside somebody's head. But there's it's a little bit, too faithful right in how it's adapted and so i the real moments that came from the characters are when they actually did something like it did something emotional where they had to react to this horrible man who was just being a dick to them or where for instance gus gets on the plane for the first time he's like oh my god oh my god and so i yeah that was where i started to connect with it a lot more and then um it it sort of managed to sweep me up towards the end a bit okay so um for me, I think
1: I I liked Hazel a lot more than Augustus for pretty much the whole thing. Um, Hazel, I think, is more a product of like she she has all these teenage insecurities that are kind of heightened by the fact that she has cancer and she's sort of been locked in her own little world. And so I think that's where some of her pretension comes from is just the fact that she doesn't ha- didn't have anybody to connect with outside of that. Um, whereas it seems like Augustus had, like, friends and, and kind of more of a an outside world thing going on and people kind of were drawn to him because he's so, you know, up. Um, and so I feel like I, – I, I think I liked her more. And also Shailene Woodley. I mean, come on, she's amazing.
0: Um, She acts him by a significant margin. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, she really does. Like, whenever they were on screen, I was looking at her. He
0: is – Ansel
1: Elgott's two performances too big. I feel like he was really good. I think all the movie came together in the last third. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the last third of it everybody was punching above their weight. You know, like everybody sort of pulled out all the stops. Um, And there were some really good scenes in there. The first two thirds had a couple of good scenes. Like I liked the one when they were trying to have a conversation and behind them, their friend is like smashing all of the trophies because <laughs> he's just been dumped. Yeah. I liked that scene a lot. That was pretty good. And I liked the scenes where there's sort of the macabre and contradicted with funny things. Like yeah. that was good. And the way they sort of kept the humor in there was good, but I found Augustus very unlikable.
0: He really is. And I didn't like him in the book either. Uh, The whole cigarette thing is just so idiotic. Like that, it isn't clever. It isn't funny. It's not cute. I just it annoys the hell out of me. Like some of his other metaphors are bad too, but that one in particular sticks in my craw. But yeah, he, his. I mean, both of them with their stupid big words they don't understand and things like that. But that one in particular is like, oh, would you get over yourself? That
1: one I think also is like, you're not the only person in the world. Everybody else is there, and th- all they see is you sticking a cigarette in your mouth with a girl who's tied up to an oxygen tank next to you. Mm. That's all they're going to see. All they're going to see is a kid who decided to get on a plane and then get a cigarette out. Like it doesn't matter whether it's a metaphor or not. It's still a cigarette, you idiot.
0: Yeah, it- it's like it's um, it's too heavy handed in its message. Like he could have he could have been fond of metaphor without literally doing the cigarette no, thing. I think that's actually a very teenage thing to do,
1: and I think it sort of works. Yeah, but it also makes him not very likable. <laughs> but also, the way that he calls her Hazel Grace, like insists on calling her Hazel Grace, mm. drove me up the wall. It drives me up the wall too. But then, like, I think all of that build up works well in the in the part where it all kinds of kind of falls apart at the end. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, he was really he was much better at the end as well. Yeah,
0: when he loses his pretensions. When he's dying, when he can't pretend anymore,
1: Mm.
0: that is he's really powerful, and he's. It's a bit like when he's got when he's there in comparison to Isaac as well. When I because Isaac gives a point of like, I'm not the only person in the world. Other people have problems too, and that's the friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the blind friend is called Isaac. And he's, okay. he's one of my novel favorites. The mother and Isaac are my favorites in the novel.
1: Yeah, he was pretty good. He does. He he mostly just is there to sort of provide a point of contrast for them.
0: Yeah. The Amsterdam scenes are sweet. I felt
1: like too much of the movie was like a collection of scenes rather than a story that was going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why the last third really – because even though it was somewhere, somewhere sad that we were going, we knew where we were going, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. the first two thirds is like – We don't
0: know where we're going at any point. Yeah, like why am I supposed to connect with these people who use these words and have these really – and there's some real clunky sentences which have been pulled wholesale out of the novel, which work really well – as a first-person interior monologue, but when you hear them out loud, they sound really stupid. Maybe okay can be out always. Oh, my God. They didn't need to say that. <laughs> no, right? right? We got o- it. We got the okay, okay thing. You didn't need to say it out loud. Like, I get that in YA there's a, a slightly higher bar of explaining things, but you don't need to explain that. I also feel like felt like there, the, the director's a little
1: too new. There are some really cutesy, annoying things, like the way that the texts come up on the screen and the in the font that they come up in. Mm. Like I remember seeing, um, what was that Liam Neeson on a plane one that we saw nonstop? Yeah, where I really liked how the texts came up on the screen and mm. like they had the broken screen when the phone broke and mm. he moved in front of them and behind them and stuff. This one didn't have that. They came up on the screen in the cutesy written, handwritten font mm. with little sparkles and, and I was like,
0: Ugh. Yeah, they carried over the cover design from the book with the chalk writing um, for the opening. But then no, they did something a little different for the text messages, I realized, but it's that same aesthetic.
1: Yeah, the cu- chalky thing, I don't mind quite as much as that coming up. Because it took me out of it, um, but everything took me out of this movie. Um, the music was a little bit too cutesy. The flashbacky bits at the end were a little bit too cutesy. The way she goes in and gets changed and then hugs the letter to herself after getting changed, so that it connects with the beginning of the movie, annoyed me. <laughs> um, like I can't, I, I just don't feel, I can't feel any emotion when there's something that silly happening. It doesn't, and and also because I was so far removed from it anyway, because every time I tried to get involved in it, there'd be another sniffle. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I was lucky because I had you on one side and some much more sensible fans on the other side. Like, I had people who were, I think they were upset by it, but they weren't, like, having their feelings all over the place like a lot of the audience was. Well, I kind of felt like everybody else's feelings were interrupting me
1: trying to have them. Mm. like. We need separate screenings. We need screenings every time there's a movie based on an ex- pre-existing canon. We need a screening for the fans, and a separate screening for the non-fans. And Katie says this because
0: she would be at the fan screening for many, many things. Exactly. And then I would be able to go, yeah, and woohoo, and stuff. You know, yeah, like we've been, we've been the fans, we've been those people. So we don't. Yeah, we're trying not. We're trying to be really sensitive here because we know this canon is important to you, and that we're not going to make fun of you for the things you like. It's because, you know, God knows we do understand what that feels like. But at the same time, it was really awkward. Being, it's, this is must be what normal people like when they feel feel like when they're around us. Like, it, it it was a really awkward and distancing feeling to be around people to whom this meant a lot more than it necessarily did to us at the time. Like, we might get into it later on. I don't know. I can't speak for that. But at the time we went into it, we were sort of virgins in the world of nerdfighteria.
1: There's something also there's something particularly off putting about people crying.
0: <laughs>
1: I think. It's really really awkward. Like if you somebody... watch
0: a movie with somebody who is really really upset by it?
1: Yeah, if somebody laughs, right? Mm-hmm. At a point that you don't laugh
0: at. Fine.
1: It doesn't bother me as much. If somebody's sitting there crying and sniffling and you know ugly crying noises. <laughs> It's really distracting. Well, because
0: it takes your empathy from the movie to that person who's sitting next to you. Like, there's a part of you that's like, you poor thing, I want to help you. But, of course, for the really serious fan of this, that's the whole point. The whole point is to go in and bawl your eyes out and use it for catharsis or whatever because it really means a lot to you.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can genuinely honestly say that as a teenager this wouldn't have meant as much to me as it does to... To a lot of the fans, but I was a different kind of teenager Yeah, and I have only ever cried at two movies in my life.
0: I don't I, – I mean, yeah, it does – I don't know. I can't tell you. This is not the kind of thing I would necessarily have been attracted to as a teenager, but then I did get into Romeo and Juliet when that came out when we were teenagers, the movie, the Baz Luhrmann movie.
1: I did too, but for different reasons. But I didn't make
0: me cry. I was into it because it was fun, and the music was cool, and the people in it were cool, and
1: all that kind of stuff. And Howard Parano Jr. was such a great Mercutio. Yeah, he was wonderful. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, the soundtrack, and yeah, the design all the all and the culture and stuff around
0: it. And but I mean, this has got its whole culture around. There's a the whole. John and Hank Green have a YouTube channel that's apparently really big that actually predates the novel, which is based on a girl who was a fan of that, who he met, who had cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, She's um, something was she Grace a fan? as well. He was a chaplain.
1: He apparently. was a chaplain,
0: but that was, that's sort of separate story. So he met this Esther Grace, I think. I, I will look that up and confirm that. He met her through the um, Nerdfighter stuff, with the videos with his brother, Vlogbrother stuff. I only
1: just realized just now. The Grace <laughs> might have some connection to the whole cancer thing. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> it, like,
1: literally. R- religion. Yeah. yeah. Just now I was like, oh, Grace.
0: Yeah. Right, right now. Uh,
1: not yeah. through the movie when Augustus keeps calling her Hazel Grace. That whole time I was just like, why do you keep using her middle name? Now I'm like, oh, maybe it's because she showed Grace in
0: facing her cancer stupid idiot right but (laughs) and then there's but there's also the uh the christian sense of grace and and john green was a chaplain and was training uh to be a pastor so there's the christian sense of grace of you know even though we are imperfect beings we're still worthy of love and the the name thing um hazel grace is the thing that he does and it's annoying in the movie and it's annoying in the book but in the book there is actually a sort of storyline where she always calls him Augustus, and she does it in the movie too, and it sounds kind of awkward and a little bit jarring because everyone calls him Gus. Do they? Yeah. See, and I didn't notice that so in the So she movie. always refers to him as Augustus until, until – and there is a point at which he is so sick uh, She in in the novel, and this isn't in the movie, but she goes to his house and she finds him in his wet the bed, and it's really – like it, it, when he finally becomes so sick that it's – he starts to lose dignity and she starts to – Sort of dehumanize him a little bit. She starts calling him Gus, and so they they don't really mention it in the movie. But when she goes to the gas station and finds him in the car, and he's been sick and he can't drive himself home, that's she calls him Gus because she's moved from seeing him on his own terms to seeing him as a sick person who's in another country, the country of the sick, which is of course where she moved when she became a cancer kid, and the thing that they have in common. Being sick, as opposed to the rest of the population who see them as sick, as different from them.
1: I didn't get any of that. Seriously, I got none of that. Like, there's no sort of you don't get that sense that people are treating them differently because they're sick in the movie because it's so much their own little world. They only they, you they, they tell you about
0: it. The only time they the only time it happens is when they tell you about it.
1: Yeah, what? you don't see them like the, literally the only people we see them interact with. Right? There's a cancer support group. Everybody in there had cancer, so they don't do that. There's their parents, and their parents are actually surprisingly great. Like, their parents are all, you know, still together and super supportive and optimistic and positive and all that Mm. stuff. There's Gus's friend, Isaac, and then there's Peter Van Hooten, right? That's it. Other people occasionally see them and give them sort of sideways looks, but then they end up cheering for them, so whatever. Um, oh yeah, that's in the Anne Frank house. That was
0: weird. So that was a little bit weird in the book. Like, although, see, uh, it's a it is a struggle for her to get to the top of the Anne Frank house, and there's a point where you know she's g- getting some empathy for a girl her own age who went through something far worse than she's going through, and so she has to make the effort to climb to the top of the Anne Frank house, and then they finally kiss, and people burst into spontaneous applause. But it doesn't work in the movie because. Firstly, they kiss in the Anne Frank house and you're like, yeah, they're so self-absorbed. They aren't even, like, realising the, you know, the gravity of where they are and what they're doing. And then a bunch of middle-aged people start clapping for them very slowly. And I'm like, middle-aged people would not be clapping at Teenagers Making Out. I'm sorry. It just would not be happening.
1: But also, I didn't get that. Again, from the movie, I didn't get that she was doing it for Anne Frank. I got that she was doing it to prove Peter Van Hooten wrong. Yes. Right?
0: Like that's that's well wasn't it's that, something that's part of it. But it's also she pushes herself partly to prove Peter van van Houten wrong, but it's also because she's in this place and she's reali- she realizes in this place that she's not the only person who suffers. But and I there didn't are others get like that. her who have suffered. Well they even hear the and I know, but that was it was all these
1: positive recordings. Right? Like what we heard was all um it's such a beautiful day
0: outside stuff. No, the well not quite the recordings a bit like stuff that Hazel says – it's a lot like some of the stuff that Hazel says but doesn't necessarily – we don't necessarily see her act out. Like she's got some – first time she gets up in support group, she has this long spiel about how life isn't fair and all that kind of stuff. And so there, you hear some recordings from Anne Frank about life not being fair but you've got to make the most of it and all that kind of stuff. And Hazel likes to say those things in support group. I didn't get any of that. The only thing I remember though from
1: support group is Augustus standing up and going, I'm afraid of oblivion. And I was like, yeah, that oh. was a pretty bad movie. That was it. Like, that was so so pretentious. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't get any of that from this movie. I don't think that they were trying.
0: Like, I think they were trying. You have to be a fan of the novel to get all that. It's a bit like in the Harry Potter movies where we watch them and we're like, if you didn't read the novel, you would not know any of what's going on here. And this is okay. The Harry
1: Potter movies are
0: well, they've got other problems as well. This is works much more successfully as a movie, but. There is a whole lot of stuff going on there. And I have to come back to what I said before is that this is the kind of story that the medium, it's almost hard to get across in this medium. Like, there's some really, there's some stuff where uh, about falling in love for the first time, about how that feels, that is really quite effectively done. And there's bits of like when they're having sex and they say stuff to each other that's kind of like at any time out of the context of, in an intimate moment with a partner, it would be really icky. But when you are having sex with someone and then you fall in love for the first time, it's the kind of thing you say. And no, that, that scene kind of, was sweet. Yeah, I thought that scene was good. And that's done really, really well. But a lot of it goes on in her head. And it's really hard to get it across in this medium See, where a lot of it's going on in someone's head. I
1: think, yeah, I think Shailene Woodley did a good job by herself of, of expressing a lot of that. I didn't get the Anne Frank stuff. That just didn't really – it felt too long. It felt clunky. I think the the dinner scene was a lot better mm. because they had it had this air of lightness and sweetness to it, mm. which contrasted with what they were talking about, which I thought, again, worked really well. I think when they contrasted that kind of light, funny, airy sort of stuff with the darker side of talking about cancer – that was, worked really well. That was mm-hmm. the best parts of the movie. Even the the funeral scene, like not the real funeral scene, the pre-funeral one that, that – um, The eulogy. Yeah, the yeah. eulogy scene. It went a little into hokey territory, but some of it yeah. was really well done, especially Isaac's speech was yeah. terrific.
0: That's And that's one of the most affecting parts of the book. If you're going to cry in the book, that's probably where you'll cry. Okay. Um, And, and it was – Apparently not in the movie. If you cry in the movie, you're going to cry at every single scene. Every time he says Okay. <laughs>
1: I knew every time when... you see him come on screen, yeah. And I that's... haven't read this book. I knew he was going to die from about uh, when we met him, and I knew he was going to tell her in Amsterdam because of the reactions of the people around me. I knew exactly what was going to happen mm-hmm. from like the very beginning of the movie because everybody around me kept telling me with their reactions, their cues, yeah. Like I knew the whole story, which I think is another reason why I couldn't get into it. I knew what was going to happen. And so I didn't know when we were getting there, but I didn't know where we were going particularly either. Mm. Like I figured eventually they would fall in love and he would die and that was it. That was all I knew, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually know that they would go to Amsterdam, though I kind of figured that out fairly early on when they were talking about, oh, I can't go to Amsterdam. And I was like, you're totally going to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, you know, there's that kind of – there's no there was no surprise in this movie for me Mm. i think the only really surprising scenes and this is why they they got to me were like that scene where isaac's breaking the trophies the scene on the plane where augustus is just freaking out about the fact that he's flying which was adorable um what else the peter van Houten scene kinda although i knew that he would be a jerk Mm. (laughs) like i knew it um you never meet your heroes that sort of thing um what else? There was another scene that surprised me. I can't remember what it was, but I liked it. <laughs> uh for me, it's
0: anything with Laura Dern. Yeah, but they didn't surprise me. I just enjoyed no, her in it. I but she had some scenes where. There's a scene where. Oh. Ha- Sorry um yeah. just to
1: um cuz I remembered which scene it was it was the scene where he was in the, the the gas station scene oh yeah um was like a that was a really emotional scene mm-hmm. that was a genuinely emotional scene where he's sitting there he's coughing up blood and his wound is infected and she's yeah. like i have to call the hospital and she's so so poised like she is handling it so well mm-hmm. and you can tell that she's somebody who has suffered through a lot of things you know and that scene um and he's just falling apart that scene was
0: fantastic mm-hmm. that
1: was good yeah
0: because it, it- it throws away all the the words and all the pretense, and it's just about this kid who is dying and he doesn't know what to do with it, and this girl who has been dying for a long time and is quite accepted at that fact, and now she has to deal with someone else dying. And I, it's so well done.
1: And she's, yeah, they're both really good in that scene. Mm-hmm. So that was the other one that I think
0: Shailene Woodley is amazing in this. Like I, I didn't even I forgot I was watching an actor. I with um. With Ansel Elgot, I would notice his little mannerisms and, mm-hmm. and I thought he he was a bit over the top in some scenes he's also he's twenty years old uh, yeah, i mean she's twenty two know. 22, she, I know, I know. But he is like, i i look, he wasn't bad he was just out acted by someone who is amazing mm. but i d- didn't feel i felt like I was watching hazel like i I didn't even there was a seamless transition from reading Hazel in the book to seeing Hazel on the screen. I was like yep that's her i I didn't even doubt it from the book to the screen Laura Dern improved as I was saying before. She was freaking amazing. Like she had a scene where um, was, that's right. Hazel runs out to to be with Gus to do the eulogy thing, and as she's leaving, her parents wanted to ha- want her to have dinner with them, and she she can't quite explain it to them, and she's also like, "Oh my god, you guys need to get a life outside of me." Or she you know, typical teenage self this. She doesn't really see what's fully going on with her parents, and that's fine. But her mother explains to her that firstly that she's taking classes, she's doing other things. They have a life outside of her, but she also says. Uh, I think the line is, you of all people should understand what it's like to live with pain. And in the book, it's fine. In the movie, Laura Dern just makes that into a moment where I nearly like lost it. I nearly started crying. I was like, "That the way she delivered that was just just perfect. Yeah, I
1: don't think it was you of all people should know. It was something like you know how it is to live with pain and you've taught us. mm like that they had learned from their daughter mm-hmm. which i thought was oh god they she, she was just gorgeous i mean she was just phenomenal mm. and the this. dad and there's was nothing good too, but there's also nothing amazing. that like her scenes aren't scenes that have a lot of um her scenes don't have a lot of difference in them mm. she plays sort of it could be a very one note performance in the hands of a lesser actress it could have been a really one note performance because she's just up you know the whole time she doesn't let herself sort of go down into the doldrums except for in flashback scenes which makes sense it really makes sense because in the flashback scenes she was still getting used to this idea and now it's kind of this this is what she does Mm. she's like a soldier you know she just gets through it um and she's terrific and she shows these little nuances in every scene even though it could be all played really flat um and that's one of the examples Mm. where it's just
0: like this this she elevates that role like it was a good it was pretty well written in the book like i i liked ma- the mom in the book and i really empathized with her as well again i think i'm just old but um <laughs> well I, then i am too cuz i empathize with her in the movie that was lifted from that she, what she brought to that was amazing and i think i think uh sam Trammell as the dad did a really good job as well but he again he has even less to do he's got even less to work with yeah but even in the scene where he did have something to work with i felt like it was just kind of
1: he felt like a TV actor in a movie role, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he and just kind of well, wasn't
0: selling it. Like Ansel Elgott, he was outacted by Laura Dern. Like right. he was he was outacted. And um, the other bit that if I were going to cry, I would cry at was when I saw her parents when Gus has died. Her parents have to come into her room and, like they've answered the phone call and they have to come into the room and tell her. Watching her mother's face as she walks into the room knowing she has to tell her daughter that her great love has died that got to me much more than the actual death it was i i could I, I was like i felt in exactly what she was feeling having to walk in there and break that girl's heart mm. oh aye, aye.
1: yeah she was terrific um and yeah, there was some but there were scenes where Sam Trammell was given the opportunity to do more, like when he talks to Gus in the house or when he welcomes them home or when he's talking to um to Hazel at the end of the movie and he doesn't quite make no. it. Like, but when, when actually, you know what? It, his performance reminded me a little bit of Stanley Tucci in um Easy A, but not good. Oh <laughs> like yeah. Stanley Tucci in Easy A does that? Like what he was trying to do
0: in this yeah. movie, you know, like, like the whole great kind of him. jokey
1: Dad. But supportive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it's a really adorable scene where they come back from Amsterdam at the airport and he's waiting with this big sign It's like, Hello, my beautiful family and then in brackets and gus. Yeah. <laughs> it's, super <cute. laughs> it's, it's super cute. Yeah. Um, and that
1: could have been, I think in the hands of a of a more experienced actor. I mean it kinda looks a little like Shailene Woodley, so I can sort of see where yeah. they went and you know. They, this was a cheap movie to make, Mm -hmm. so they couldn't hire anybody. They spent their money on
0: on Laura Dern and Shailene Woodley.
1: (laughs) Even then, I don't think that Laura Dern and Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern is sort of not that huge at the moment. No, and Shailene Woodley hadn't quite reached, she hadn't been in Divergent yet. She hadn't been in, um, mm -hmm. I think she'd been in um, that George Clooney one, but that was still just kind of buzz. Yeah, and that's like background buzz. She Mm -hmm. wasn't a thing yet so nobody in this movie is a big star except for Willem Dafoe that's where they spent their money probably. on getting a good Peter Van Hooten which was worth it mm-hmm. he's good um million miles away from the last performance we saw him in which was Grand Budapest Hotel mm-hmm. um but yeah he's good so yeah and then also probably shooting in Amsterdam because that was clearly shot mm-hmm. in Amsterdam
0: yep yeah they want it's apparently the first movie that's ever been allowed to shoot at the Anne Frank house
1: they treat you different when you when you've got different. cancer
0: <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah I know I know cynical but there you go Yeah, um, yes yeah, so d- despite the uh somewhat disrespectful performance there um I mean I don't know I mean it's not I don't it, think it is it's, it's not disrespectful. super disrespectful and also it's not it's only the clapping that makes it yeah and, and, and yes because if they hadn't clapped it would have just been like this one this emotional moment between the two of them which is really sweet but also at the same time you sort of as the audience, you would have been allowed to do that work. You would have been allowed to make, have the incongruity in, sit in your head wh- where you've s- you got this lovely moment for the two of them, but also like, guys, you know, you're in a really solemn place where some really terrible stuff happened.
1: Yeah, but you know, there's also the kind of idea that I don't think Anne Frank would want everybody to go there and be like, Right, be it's, it's life affirming. She was very. It's, it's a lo- really life affirming act and- in a really sad place. And also, by the way, Anne Frank was at least experimenting with bisexuality before she died. Yeah, Um, Her original diaries had a whole bunch of stuff cut out of them for the version. Yes, where she
0: experiments with masturbation for the first time. Yeah,
1: Very, very annoyed that those things were cut out. That's a separate thing, but I just thought it was interesting because I'm also going to bring up the fact that Hazel kisses Augustus. Mm -hmm. She takes the initiative. She's the one who wants to kiss him. Up until that point, and this is where I think this is a really good relationship he's very respectful of her like saying no to him boundaries yeah yeah of her boundaries um he sort of goes i'm in love with you but it's okay for us to be friends he doesn't go into a rant about how he's been friend zoned he doesn't hate her afterwards he doesn't yell at her he goes i'm in love with you but if you don't feel the same way or if you do feel the same way but uncomfortable telling me then that's okay yeah, I, I will go as far as you're comfortable. Right. And, that's and then really. when she's comfortable to take the next step, she does. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is a really great message. And I think there's a lot of really good messages in it. I just don't think that it's necessarily portrayed the best way. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I think the fact that I I'm annoyed that I didn't get to watch this properly. I'm genuinely deeply annoyed because I, the fact that I was so removed from it the whole time meant that I was watching it as a movie the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now, normally what I do is I watch a movie, I go along with it. Every so often I might have a suspension of disbelief or something, but I go along with it as best as I can, right? Mm-hmm. I will just like try and get into it the best I can. I wasn't afforded that opportunity here. I'd never had an opportunity to get into it. So the whole time... I was removed from it by, like, this degree of separation. I was looking at it at a, as a movie.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think there might be an element that elevates it as a movie that I didn't get to see because I was distanced from it the whole time. And mm. that, I think, is my ultimate problem with it. Like, I'm giving it a really low rating, but I don't know what my rating would be if I hadn't been in the movie what trying to watch it with a whole bunch of people, like... Making noise and distracting me and taking well, me out of it.
0: You're not giving it a terrible grade. You're giving it half a star less than I am. See, that was, and I was thinking, like, I don't know whether I
1: should give it the rating that I gave it or half a star more because I maybe would have enjoyed it more, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed it more. Maybe I still wouldn't have liked it very much. I just wasn't given that opportunity to know because it wasn't like it, I was just taken away from it the mm. whole time. And that, frustrated me like you wouldn't believe like i was sitting there my leg was jiggling i was like rubbing my head i was like i was it was an endlessly frustrating experience for me trying to watch this movie
0: and i was exhausted at the end of our screening even though i didn't have your same weepy jane next to me. oh god she she just cried the whole time yeah i i didn't have that but i was still exhausted at the end of the screening because i had to really work hard to get through the early bits because I was like, oh gosh, Katie doesn't know all the stuff that goes on behind (laughs) this. She's just going to find this annoying and then I was finding it annoying and uh, and then, but then I finally got to the end. I was like, yeah, okay. okay." There are little bits like
1: I just, I really appreciate like Shailene Woodley. She was putting her all into this. Like there's little bits where she looks at Augustus and she giggles and there's this perfect teen crush thing that she portrays just beautifully. Yeah, Where I, mm. because I was like, I've been her. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I don't didn't get it
0: with him. <laughs> like he wouldn't maybe have been my ob- the object of my crushing, but I got her. It doesn't matter who the object of your crush is. It, it's that's the whole point. The object of your crush isn't perfect, just like you're not perfect. Like he might have one leg, he might be a jock, and you're you're a bookish girl. And that's not the point. The point is that there's somebody, and you know, if you've ever been a teenager, you know what that feels like. <sighs> one leg. I've had a crush on Adam Hills for years. Um, <laughs> but
1: anyway. Um, no, but that's
0: what I mean. Like he might—he won't be perfect. Yeah. There'll be some way he's not perfect. Well, that—that
1: that as well. Like when he was telling her mm. what his leg was like, and she was like, "Get over yourself," and I was like, "Yeah, t- exactly." Because there were things that she did, but like I wasn't watching it as as kind of genuinely empathizing with her. I was watching her, watching it as this sort of, "Oh wow, she's doing re- a really good thing with this scene." That's how I felt oh, during yeah. this I, movie. See, I was just like, oh, this is Hazel. I didn't even. Yeah, because I didn't know Hazel. Mm. I was being introduced to Hazel for the first time. Mm. And what I got was, wow, Shailene Woodley is good. Gee, she has huge eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and it starts and ends on a shot of her eyes. <laughs> it does. And
1: so the whole. But mm. there's other things like that must be the way they shoot her or something. Or like it, there was this moment when she was in the in the support group meeting and she's all looking down. And then she suddenly looks up. And and I was like, J- just. Like a doe or something. Yeah. <laughs> She's all eyes. This whole girl is just mm. eyes. Her whole face. Hmm. Um. Which she used perfectly. She is extraordinarily talented. And it is my greatest wish to watch a movie starring Shailene Woodley and Jennifer Lawrence
0: and Lupita Nyong'o. I would sit there just the whole time like this. <gasps> well, so long as it was, you know, Star Trek 2009 kind uh, of uh, yeah, yeah. plot.
1: Yep. Well, they- there you go. You can do it. Like reboot it again. Go even younger.
0: <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is Kirk.
1: Yep. Right. Um, who can Shailene Woodley play? We'll oh, Have Shailene Bones. Woodley in there. Bones and Lupita Nyong'o can be Uhura. She could be Spock. I think she would be, a great she would be Spock. 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 Yeah. There you go. Sticking Lupita Nyong'o is box, Shailene Woodley is Bones and Jennifer Lawrence is um as Kirk and you've got me. That's the movie that I will go I will go see it like 700 times at the cinema and the whole time I'll just be sitting there like dying at the incredible talent of the new actresses in mm-hmm. Hollywood. I feel like we've just come into this new age of actresses in Hollywood. And for a while they were okay, they were okay. But all of a sudden there's just these like brilliant actresses just bursting onto the scene all at once. Mm. And I want all of them in something. You know
0: who should play Uhura? Gabby Siderbe.
1: Well I really no, like No 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 it's gender see... swap. We need one boy. Oh in right, yes boy. Um I liked Boris Kojo, but we're going younger so maybe Michael B. Jordan. Let's have Michael B. Jordan as a
0: Okay, that'll do. Yeah.
1: He's adorable.
0: Okay, no worries. And he
1: can be the eye candy. <laughs> Sounds like a
0: plan. Very, very short
1: skirt <laughs> We'll put him in the very like short skirted uniform. Right? Like Okay.
0: I'm gonna find that. Um, we should probably wrap up though.
1: Oh, if you insist.
0: I was enjoying that topic of conversation. I know, but I'm gonna cut it out cut some of that out anyway, so No, why? Well, it depends. I've we've talked enough now, so it might it might be okay, I might be able to keep it. Okay then. Um, what are you giving it? I gave the in Our stars two and a half stars. And even though it seems like we two saw two different movies. I gave it three, so not much more than you. Mm. Still, it's it's good. It's just not. See, for me, three the is Messiah. a
1: good average movie, and two and a half is just an average average. Yeah, movie. this is that's a good. Yeah,
0: that's and that's what I, did, I Good average. I sort of also sort of go on the Netflix rating, but the Netflix rating is probably a bit generous for us here. But yeah, three three. It's it's a good solid movie. It's good fun, and um, I fun. St- <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not the right word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on your definition of fun. Maybe your definition of fun is, um, using sobbing uncontrollably. Well, that, that's what. But I think it's an important catharsis. Like when you are a self-obsessed teenager, you just project your own whatever you have to cry about, whatever tragedies in your life onto that. Like it's yeah, real easy. See,
1: I didn't ever like that was never a thing. And also, it's stupid. But being sad doesn't make me cry. I don't know if you've noticed this before, mm. but being sad doesn't make me cry. Being angry or frustrated. Being drunk or does. Being drunk.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. No, it's <laughs> fair. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: true. Um, but, you know, like uh, like when I watched – or being – actually being touched makes me cry more than pretty much anything. Like whenever I watched Lord of the Rings, it was when Sam does the oh, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you when I'm sitting there like crying. Mm, and that, um, well, that's basically
0: what, what uh, um, Laura Dern does here. That, yeah. that it's really touching. Like, oh. <gasps> It's that completely selfless care for another person. And, and Sam Gamgee does it. And Laura Dern does it. You even, they even show it when she's – um, every time Hazel yells out, Mom, Mom, she comes running. This poor woman is in the shower. She comes running <laughs> yes. in a towel. I love that scene. Like, that was at, so because cute. She just wants to ma- – like, she knows she doesn't have much time with this girl, this daughter, this only child. And she, she will come running at – Every time this kid c- calls because she, every second with her is valuable. And she also
1: lets her go. Like she lets her be a teenager. She knows that those two had sex and she doesn't say anything no, about it. But um, she wants
0: them to. She's like, Hazel's got a friend. Hazel's got a boyfriend. It's the most exciting thing that's happened to yeah, her. Because Hazel, she gets to experience all those things right, that she didn't think she was ever going to experience. This, there's a thing in the book, which is not in the movie again, where Hazel talks about if you're really sick, your parents pull you out of school and Hazel's been pulled out of school. Gus didn't get pulled out of school. Gus kept going through school and Hazel got pulled out of school. She got her GED and now she's in taking college courses already when, even though she's only 17. So she doesn't have a lot of normal experiences and all her mum wants is for her to go on dates, for her to drink, for her to like do stupid shit and be a teenager. And it's
1: it's glorious. It really is. I mean, that's sort of the magic of her character is that she's like – subtly pushing her daughter into living Mm. before she dies, I guess. Yeah. Which is kind of the point of the movie. So really, Laura Dern, hero of this movie. Totally the hero (laughs) of this movie. I think that that, that pretty much sums it up, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty much. We should probably wrap up because we have another podcast to record, plus I have to edit this one. Okay. Okay. If you want to read the show notes or find out anything more about us, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Katie's review of The Fault in Our Stars and everything else that she watches is on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. We're on Twitter, at screen underscore queens. You can find us on Facebook or you can find us on Tumblr, Tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.